Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you more biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the vitamin-deficient church. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Doctor, there's just no end to you. Whatever in the world are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about vitamin A. And by that, I mean application. The vitamin-deficient church is the church that is deficient in application. Let me illustrate with a story. I have a friend who inherited a Sunday school class. He inherited it from an older, retired pastor who had been teaching 50 to 70-year-old Christians for several years. My friend inherited the class, and he began to teach the class. And at the end of each class, he would conclude by asking them, now tell me what is our takeaway message and what is our application? He told me that the class would then look at him like a calf looking at a new gate. They would cock their head sideways, look at him and say, we don't understand. Our previous teacher never asked us that. He would reply, well, I'm not your previous Sunday school class teacher, and I really want to know what is the application of the biblical instruction in today's lesson. He received that same response every week for several Sundays. One older gentleman looked at him and said, very honestly, I'm not sure we like the way you teach Sunday school. My friend responded, let me share with you a verse of scripture. The book of James, chapter 1 and verse 22, which says, but prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves who deceive themselves. He looked at the class and said, are you someone who hears the word only? Or, or are you Christians who intend to obey the word? He said the class members looked at him and then looked at one another's and they had no response. He told me just this morning that he's been teaching that class now for two or three months and they are finally beginning to grasp the concept of finding a personal application in a Sunday school lesson. In other words, they're finally deciding that there must be something to obey in a Sunday school lesson. If you remember in the Old Testament, Saul returned from a battle and all of the cattle and the sheep acquired in the battle were to be sacrificed to the Lord. 
Samuel the prophet was a little dilatory in returning, and Saul took upon himself the role of the priest. He was the king and not the priest. And he violated the office that was bestowed upon him, and he took it upon himself to sacrifice the lambs. As soon as he finished, Samuel showed up, and he soundly rebuked Saul for assuming a role that did not belong to him, the role of the priest. And he said to Saul that God desired obedience rather than sacrifice. Now that's a statement that should ring in our hearts. We should understand that God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. Now understand clearly that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose knowledge rather than obedience. They took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than obeying God. And that's just not unique to them. I have spoken in many churches where I looked at church members sitting in the pews with their arms crossed, looking at me defiantly and saying, Doctor, teach me something new that I don't already know. And in my heart, I know that they have not obeyed what their pastor taught them the week before. They've never determined in their heart to obey the teaching, the plain teaching of Scripture. They're just like Adam and Eve. They've chosen knowledge over obedience. I submit to you that you and I should choose to be obedience-based disciples. Now, what exactly is that? Well, let's look at what the definition of a disciple is. You remember in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, And then there's that next phrase. He says, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. You see, a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is someone who obeys all the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me submit to you a definition of a disciple. A disciple is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ who chooses to obey all the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of the consequences. Even if those commands are not easy or convenient or culturally acceptable. Now, let me just say this. When I first got married, I went to the grocery store with my wife. She was pushing a grocery cart, and she looks at me, and she says, Would you get a head of lettuce? So I obeyed, and I reached over and grabbed a head of lettuce and immediately deposited it in the grocery cart. 
Well, my wife immediately screamed. I thought she was having a seizure. And she says, no, no, no. And she grabbed that head of lettuce, put it back on the shelf, and she began to evaluate every head of lettuce on the shelf. She picked them all up one at a time. She turned them over in her hands. She weighed them individually. And then she finally selected one head of lettuce, put it in the cart, and then she smiled at me and she said, that's how you do it. And I looked around like, who knew? I had no idea that choosing a head of lettuce required so much inspection and diligence. Well, I'm here to tell you that there are Christian folks in every church that are just as selective about obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ. They look at the commands of God that are on the shelf. They weigh them. They inspect them. And if they are easy or convenient or culturally acceptable, then they'll put them in the grocery cart of their Christian life and they'll go on down the aisle. However, if they are difficult or inconvenient or culturally unacceptable, after they inspect it, they put it back on the shelf and they go on down the grocery aisle of their life. You see, that's what I call selective obedience, which is really disobedience. Now, you understand that Jesus told us in John chapter 14 and verse 15, He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, that's, that's hard. That's Jesus talking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But then he goes on in verse 21 and he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Now that last phrase is important because when I'm looking at church members sitting on the pew with their arms crossed, looking at the pastor and saying, Pastor, teach me something that I don't already know. And they've never determined in their heart to obey that which their pastor taught them the week before, then those Christians are not being obedient. They're not obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that promise of the Lord Jesus Christ to disclose Himself to them is a conditional promise. He's promised to disclose or reveal Himself to them, to reveal new truth to them, depending upon their willingness to obey. And when folks sit in the pews with their arms crossed, saying, Preacher, Doctor, Sunday school teacher, teach me something I don't already know. Well, God's not obliged to reveal new truth to them. If they've never determined in their heart to obey that which God has already revealed to them. Well, that's not all. In John chapter 14 and verse 23, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 
and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. If we think that the Spirit of God, that the great Trinity is going to come and abide within us if we haven't determined in our heart to obey him, then we're just fooling ourselves. And then in John 15, in verse 14, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. Do you want to be the friend of God? (laughs) Do you expect to be the friend of God? Then you must be someone who determines to obey God. And not just when it's easy or convenient or culturally acceptable. You have to make a choice to obey God regardless of the consequences. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I pray just about every day that God will open my eyes and reveal to me any area in my life that I'm not being fully obedient to Him. My concern is that I would be blinded by the culture around me, especially living in America. I want you to understand that it's easy to be blinded by our culture so that we don't understand what it means to be fully obedient to God. And when I pray, I say, Lord, I choose to obey you. I choose to be fully obedient to you. And I say to the Lord, Lord, open my eyes and do not let me be deceived in any way by the culture around me. And it's my contention that if you and I love Jesus, we'll love the things that Jesus Love. Let me say that again. My contention is that if you and I love Jesus, we'll love the things that Jesus loved. Well, now that begs the question, what did Jesus love? Well, I submit to you very respectfully that Jesus loved the Word. How do I know that? (laughs) Well, every time we turn around in the Scriptures and read, Jesus was quoting Scripture. He loved the Scripture enough that he had it memorized. And he quoted extensive parts of the Scripture. What did he do when Satan tempted him? Well, he quoted Scripture. And you see, brothers and sisters, if you and I love Jesus, then we're going to love the Word in the same way that Jesus loved the Word. Which means you and I are going to have a quiet time every day and spend time in the Word. We're going to read the Word. We're going to study the Word, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And we're going to memorize Scripture the same way that He does. Now listen, I've been a Christian for 56 years, and I still try to memorize one or two verses every week. And I have an accountability partner that I report to every other week. And when we meet, we We share our memory verses. And so I would encourage you to do the same. Not only read the Word, study the Word, but memorize Scripture and then meditate on the Scripture verses that you're reading and studying and, and memorizing. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you don't memorize it, it's not hidden in your heart. 
This is Bob at Bob Sloan Audio Productions, the producer of this and many other podcasts. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about how to create, record, and distribute a podcast, contact me at bobsloan.com. That's B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E.com. And we'll discuss getting your podcast on the air. And then I would submit to you that Jesus loved praying. Eleven times in the book of Luke, we find that Jesus slipped away to a solitary place and there prayed. It also says, as was his custom, that he would slip away to a quiet place and pray. Now listen, brothers and sisters, what's your custom? Look, when you're dead and gone, and everybody's at your house after the funeral eating ham biscuits and potato salad, and they're talking about you, what are they going to say about you? Are they going to say, oh man, he was such an awesome gardener. He grew the greatest tomatoes, or he had beautiful flowers, or she made the best biscuits. What are they going to say about you? Are they going to say, I tell you what, he was a man of prayer. He could really get in touch with God. If ever I was sick or hurting or needed somebody to pray for me, I always called on him because he could get in touch with God. You see, do you make time for prayer? As the hymn writer said, take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Is that the characteristic of your life? And then the third thing is fellowship with Christian folks. The Bible says that Jesus preached. I'm sorry, that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians chapter 5. Maverick Christians cannot love the church. They cannot obey the one another's of the New Testament. What do I mean by that? In the New Testament, there are all manner of commands to love one another, pray for one another, serve one another, encourage one another, reprove and rebuke one another. How can you and I practice all of these one another's unless we're involved in the koinonia, the life of the body? We can't practice the one another's unless we're living within the context of a New Testament body of believers. Listen, Jesus loved the church and he gave his life for her. And you and I should not be nonchalant or lackadaisical about being a part of the body of Christ. And if you love Jesus, you'll love the things that he loved. And I'm telling you, he loved the church. And then there's evangelism. Everywhere he went, Jesus preached that the kingdom of God was at hand. He was evangelistic. He shared the gospel with the woman at the well. So how about you, my Christian friend? Are you someone that's always eager to share the gospel? Always looking for an opportunity to plant the seed of the gospel? The seed of the word which is able to save their souls? And I have friends who are constantly sharing with me that that they're just not directly involved in in sharing the gospel. They don't share their faith. And I'll tell you why. It's because they're not directly involved in the life 
of the poor or the prisoner or the widow or the orphan or those who are sick. And here's my challenge to you. If you find a ministry that's involved in the life of the sick, the prisoner, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the woman involved in a crisis pregnancy, you involve your life in a ministry that cares for those folks, you will find more opportunities to share the gospel than you can shake a stick at. Because I'm telling you that evangelism flows out of ministry. I always tell my congregation that every member should be a minister. And I know that that ministry is messy. But when we involve ourselves in ministering to folks in our communities who have desperate needs, it gives us credibility. It gives our testimony credibility. But it also gives us opportunities to share the gospel. And folks who are in dire straits will listen to you. They will listen to your testimony. And they will listen to your presentation of the gospel when you get in there root hog or die and minister to them when they're hurting. Jesus loved to share the gospel. And I submit to you that when you and I love Jesus, we would do the things that Jesus did. And one of those was ministering to folks in their need and sharing that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, the last point I want to make is this. In the longest sermon that Jesus preached, which was the Sermon on the Mount, he concluded his message by talking about two men who built two houses. One man built a house that was on the rock. And Jesus said that when the wind and the storm came, the winds and the rain lashed against the house, but the house would not fall because it had a strong foundation. It was built upon a rock. But then there was another man whose house was built upon the sand. And when the winds and the rain came, it lashed against this man's house. And because it was built upon the sand, that house fell when the wind and the rain crashed against it because it did not have a secure foundation. Now let me ask you, Jesus said that there was a difference between those two men. And you remember what it was? He said, those who listen to me and obey, those who practice what I teach, are like the man who built his house upon a strong foundation, who built the house upon the rock. But those who listen to me and do not pay heed, do not pay attention, do not practice what I teach, are like the man who built this, his house upon the sand. And when the wind and the rain came, his house fell, and great was the fall. You see, I'm trying to encourage you to practice obedience-based discipleship. The vitamin that's most deficient in the church today is vitamin A, which is application. And my challenge to you and me today is not to be the man who looks in the mirror, 
who hears Jesus' teaching and then turns away and forgets what kind of man he was. James warned against that gentleman. <laughs> he says that he's a foolish man, that he looks into the, to the Scripture, and when he uh, sees what kind of man he is, he, he turns away and forgets who he is. And J Jesus, uh, James calls him a foolish man. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, is not have become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. And you see, that's the challenge for you and me, to be an effectual doer, an effective doer, an effective, obedient doer of the Word of God because that man will be blessed in what he does. Are you a vitamin A deficient Christian who doesn't pray about being obedient to the Word of God? You see, if you're a true disciple, then you have to pray every day about choosing to obey God, not being selectively obedient, turning the, the, the commands of Scripture over in your mind, putting some back on the shelf and saying, that one's not for me. But you have to be completely obedient, wholly obedient, and choosing to obey all the commands of God because you see a true disciple is one who chooses to obey all the commands of God regardless of the consequences, regardless of the public outcry, regardless of what the family says, regardless of how it affects your job or your credibility. You see, the obedient Christian chooses to obey Jesus Christ in every way, regardless of the consequences. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, my Father will love you and we will disclose ourselves to you. If you love me, you will be my friend. These are beautiful verses. And it's a challenge for every one of us every day of our lives to be fully obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus, you'll love the things that Jesus loved. He loved the Word. He loved prayer. He loved the church. He loved evangelism. And the man who obeys Him builds his house upon the rock. You're listening to More Than Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, and I thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. If you'd like to contribute to further the efforts of the ministry, you can support them at patreon.com forward slash jacksonfamilyministries. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.